Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, August 15th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Pretty crazy weekend for baseball on and off the field, of course, today on the show. Fernando Tatis' suspension, we will start with that. Bunch of prospect happenings, the waiver wire, starter sit, and much more. But first, Scotty, I know that you went to the Marlins-Braves game this weekend. So yes. give us the lowdown on... Lone Depot Park, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, with a lowercase L. Interesting. How I don't is know it? why. It's an odd branding decision. It just looks like an I and a very difficult word to pronounce. How is it? I, well, I, it's not. But it's not the first time I've been there. It's the first time in a while. Uh, it was the first time I took my kids to a baseball game, an official MLB game that counts in the standings, and uh, so that was fun. It's a nice enough park. It 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 has its uh, it has its charms. It's always a little weird. Uh, play, Nobody was being, there. Well, <laughs> a decent like that, number, that's, a decent that's the biggest drawback. There, just mo- most of them were most of the people who were there were in Braves jerseys. I will point out. Um, but it, no, what I was going to say is it's a little weird playing baseball under a roof. It's definitely more enjoyable with air conditioning though so it's like you know at august in south florida do you really want to sit out in the open no no No, you don't and of course there's a lot of potential for rainouts there without the roof so like it's it's worth it but it it you know it kind of doesn't feel like baseball too you know oh i hear you the whole thing feels a little smaller I went to Arizona last year in August, which is just a terrible decision. Don't ever do it. And I went to Chase Field to see a Diamondbacks game. And it was the same thing. It was like my first time at a baseball game with a roof where it was air conditioned and it was like pretty cool. I've got to admit that. But uh, yeah, it was also kind of weird um, seeing a baseball game in that way. For the you first guys time. see that this is you guys. I went to the Humphrey Dome. <laughs> in Minneapolis, I've I've been to Tropicana. Like those are weird places to see a baseball game. At least Marlins Park and Chase Field and these like new stadiums, they've got really tall roofs. But like yeah. Tropicana and, and the Humphrey Dome are like it's like claustrophobic. Oh, I can uh, yeah, I could see it with Tropicana. I mean, obviously everything that goes on in that place. But I that's feel a like weird. It's a weird thing. That's that's a conversation for another day. Speaking of the Marlins, real quick, we'll uh, wrap up with that. Wearing my uh, my Marlins jersey, Sandy Alcantara, Chris. So I am now an honorable uh, Marlins fan joining you. So thank you for letting me uh, be part of the club. I mean, look, I'm 
who am I to to kink shame? If you wanna if you wanna feel the shame of being a Marlins fan, who, who am I to to disinvite you? You know. <laughs> If honestly, if I had to choose like a favorite National League team just based on the players they have, I would choose the Marlins because I mean, look, you would have had something to cheer for in 2003. Womp womp. All right, Chris, you're uh, we're uh, I don't know, we're gonna ban you from the podcast for like the next 10 minutes. Just kidding. Let's start uh, off with Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously, here suspended 80 games. This Jeff Passon bomb just dropped on Friday afternoon. It was like, oh, you know, whatever. Friday news dump. Oh, Fernando Tatis out for 80 games. Crazy stuff. Testing positive for a performance-enhancing substance, claiming that he inadvertently took the substance as part of a medication to treat ringworm. But it turns out that he's not uh, appealing the suspension or anything, so whatever. He acknowledges that he made a mistake. And To be clear, he did appeal the suspension uh, because apparently... At least it's been reported that the suspension happened in the test happened in May or March. And it just wasn't announced because I think this was Hector Gomez. I think I saw um, Hmm. that it wasn't announced because he was out. And so they they went through the appeal process and it finally got announced. At least that's that's what I read. So obviously seems like a bad choice then because he was injured that whole time. That just makes it worse. Now, it was reported that the Padres didn't find out until the afternoon we all found out. Mm -hmm. That that was going to be my next statement. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's why they traded for Juan Soto, but (laughs) that part doesn't make sense. That's weird. Yeah, very weird. Anyway, uh, Tatis, for the rest of this season, he will miss the remaining 48 games for the Padres, and he will miss, obviously, the beginning of next season. And it, it depends how many games they play in the postseason, uh, assuming that the Padres play mm-hmm. in the postseason. Uh, and that will determine how many games he misses next year. But let's just say he's going to miss the, the first, first month. month of the season for next year. Uh, we'll get into that, like, you know, how that affects his draft stock for next season. Um, but I do want to point out that I, I've notified the authorities at CBS and he has been removed from the undroppable list. So I know some people reached out about that issue. And, and it seems like you can drop Fernando Tatis now, which... Obviously, it makes sense in redraft leagues. Now, for next year, Scott, let's just assume it's the first month that Fernando Tatis is missing. Yeah. Where do you think he's going to get drafted for fantasy purposes? Uh, well, where where do I think he will get drafted, or, or where would I take him? Because I think the answer is different there. And, and fortunately, we we've kind of gone through this once already with a the player who at least at the, at the start of this year, was valued as closely to uh, Tatis as anybody could be, and that's Ronald Acuna, yep. who was projected to miss the same amount of time at the start of this season. He ended up being uh, a late first-rounder, I guess, mm-hmm. in 5x5 five five leagues anyway, his better format. Uh, I was not willing to take him until like the middle of round two, which means I never got a chance to take him, and, and that's fine. I, I think... Even with Acuna kind of hitting his best case scenario with the timeline, it's still uh, it's still it's still fair to wonder where he should have been taken. I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's clear cut that the people who took him in the first round uh, benefited from that. So, and then in Tatis's case, I mean, we won't have seen him play yet. Mm-hmm. After the wrist surgery, he has a recurring shoulder issue that could always pop up and, and set him back further. So there's just like, yeah, it it it, it would kind of be the same thing for me. I, I haven't actually lined up the players yet, and it wouldn't make sense to really until the season's over. Uh, but I am myself not uh, not willing to look at Tatis until the middle of round two. And you, you got to consider also, you, you won't be able to put him in an IL spot 
unlike Acuna, mm-hmm. which sure. hurts him taking up a bench spot all that time. Yeah, so I'm looking at Fantasy Pro's ADP from before the season, and Ronald Acuna wound up at 13.2 when everything was said and done. So I do think we'll, we'll probably see a similar value for Fernando Tatis heading into next year. Late first, early second round. Scotty there saying he's probably waiting until the middle of the second round to draft Fernando Tatis. Chris, do you kind of agree with that sentiment, uh, that valuation of Fernando Tatis? And do you have any thoughts just like from a macro career perspective? Because obviously, like, this is huge for baseball because I don't want to assume things. Like, obviously, the, the guy is still super young. But, I mean, any chance at the Hall of Fame is probably gone now for Fernando Tatis. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we we have not seen a player who failed a test make it into the Hall of Fame, but we also haven't seen a situation like this where it's so early in his career that like, you know, he's got what, 13 years left on his contract, something like that. So like <laughs> he's, he's 23, like most yeah. players haven't even reached the majors yet. He has so time like, for a whole career. Still yeah, after that, I, I would think it won't matter if he stays on the trajectory he was on, which is. Wow. He's got 81 career home runs before his age 23 season. So Plus, like that's it, pretty incredible. It's likely 20 years before he's up for Hall of Fame yeah. consideration. I mean, it's going to be a completely different generation of voters. God, I'll be 54. Mm. Who knows? Maybe that's I'll be one of the voters about. by then. <laughs> Probably not. Probably uh-huh. not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, no, I, 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 don't, that. I don't have much worry about that. Like it, I don't know. There were a lot of pointed quotes out of the Padres dugout or clubhouse about um, Tatis. And, you know, I, I think his teammates should feel really let down by the way this season has gone. Getting hurt in a motorcycle accident is just dumb. Like, you just, I don't know, man. Don't ride motorcycles if you're a professional athlete. I don't know. It seems, <laughs> seems reckless. And then getting suspended for steroids. Like, it's just... He's let his team down in a in a big way. Uh, I don't know. It, AJ Preller was ticked. Yeah, was no, I mean it was it was words. it's rare that you see teammates criticize a guy publicly yeah. in the way that they did. And so, you know, I, I think he's going to have a lot of work to do to repair things in that locker room. But you know, if if he comes back next season and it's you know, the, the end of May and he's played a full month and he's got a 960 OPS. I don't think anybody's going to really care. Yeah. I thought the most interesting one, Chris, and I saw you tweet about it was Mike Clevenger, who <laughs> not that he's been any angel. Everyone's situation is different, but eh, kind of pot calling the kettle black, calling him out. Like, little, I don't know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I wasn't really a big fan of that, but whatever. Uh, if there is one positive from this situation, which is obviously weird to talk about, but Hassan Kim should keep an everyday role now as a result, and he's played very well. So he's 22% rostered. He's got second, third base, and shortstop eligibility. Uh, looks like he will continue to play shortstop for the San Diego Padres. So uh, there you go. Fernando Tatis, going to miss likely the first month of the season, probably looking at the early to mid-second round uh, where he will be drafted next year. But we've got a long time before we get to that. All right, now let's actually get into the on-field action. Oh, my good All right, Scotty, I will let you kick us off. And will you do Vinny Pasquantino for the, I don't know, third day in a row? No, I should. (laughs) I should. He deserves to be. I I said, oh, my goodness gracious, when I looked at the box score and saw what Vinny Pasquantino did Sunday. But no, I'll I'll, I'll spare you that. Uh, Pick up up Vinny Pasquantino if he's still available. He isn't like a third of CBS Sports Leagues. Anyway, um, 
who am I going to do? I don't even remember now. Who did I say I was going to do? Drew Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen, yes. <laughs> the the even bigger breadstick. Drew Rasmussen, yes. Because he took a perfect game into the ninth inning against the Orioles. Uh, it was broken up on a Jorge Mateo double. Ended up going eight and a third in all. Mateo came around to score. So there was it, one run allowed. No walks, seven strikeouts. It was, you know, about the best we've ever seen Drew Rasmussen. 17 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. Very, very efficient. Like, there was no question he was going to get a chance to complete this, uh, to try to complete this perfect game because he was just throwing so few pitches every inning. Um, But on that note, like, going deep into games hasn't been something we've seen a lot of from Drew Rasmussen. His last start of even seven innings was June 4th. He's gone six-plus innings five times all year. He is, you know, even prior to this great start, he's rostered in 74% of CBS Sports Leagues. I imagine that's because he has an ERA below three. I guess seven wins now. Uh, it's a decent total. Obviously, the Rays helping him out with that. But, one win in the last two months before this, though. Actually, one okay. win since the end of May. Okay, good point. Good point. And, uh, you know, obviously the starts have been especially short since he came back from the IL. What I'm trying to say is I think Rasmussen is rosterable. He's useful. Uh, I I don't really think this perfect game changes. Or this, <laughs> it wasn't actually a perfect game. This uh, a near perfect game, whatever you want to call it. I think that's fair to say. I don't think I mean, a near perfect really... game is kind of like a near miss in a plane crash, you know. Yeah, near miss doesn't count. Right, it doesn't. It's like horseshoes, <laughs> as they say. You know, three sixty eight xFIP. The xERA is even higher. He doesn't go that deep into games. The strikeout rate is, you know, less than one per inning. Pretty good ground ball rate, but just kind of a, kind of a, kind of just a pretty good pitcher with RP eligibility, and and not really much more to take away from this than that. Yeah, I think the RP eligibility is probably why he's so widely rostered in CBS Sports Leagues. I would guess in other formats where the spark doesn't matter, he's probably a little lower. Um, but yeah, like he's a good pitcher. He's not an ace. And, and even in this one, like you saw, he doesn't pitch deep into games. He pitched deep into this one, 387 pitches. You know, he needs to be incredibly efficient to go deep into games. It's really hard to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I agree with Scott's assessment there. All right. Well, there are three names that stand out in the shallowest leagues. They're all between 74 and 79% rostered on CBS. Scott, how would you rank these three if you're just looking to, to add them from the weekend? Uh, Rasmussen and then Ranger Suarez, who had a great start at the Mets this weekend. Seven innings, one run, four strikeouts for him. And since returning, his walks are way down. His ground balls are back up. His swinging strike rate is also back up. He's 77% rostered, also SPARP eligible. And then Brady Singer, really impressive start against the Dodgers on Sunday. Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts with 19 swinging strikes against one of the best lineups in baseball. He's 79% rostered at Tampa Bay this week. So really shallow league Mm -hmm. plays here, Scott. But how do you rank those three? Rasmussen, Ranger Suarez, Brady Singer. Yeah, I, I actually think I put Rasmus in the last of that group. I could understand taking him over Suarez. Certainly the ERA and WHIP overall have been better than Suarez, but Suarez has looked more like 2021 Suarez since returning from the IL. You pointed out the walks, the ground balls. They're, they're in the right direction. He When he is 
uh, going well like that, you can count on him giving you six plus innings with more regularity than Drew Rasmussen. So uh, I would put him ahead of Rasmussen. And, and Brady Singer, I think, clearly belongs at the top of that list. His start against the Dodgers on Sunday, one hit over six innings, struck out seven, 19 swinging strikes. Uh, and over his last seven starts now, Brady Singer has a 199 ERA, 101 whip, 9.7K per nine. Has a 335 XFIP for the year, and uh, is is looking like looking like a late year breakout here. It's sort of hard to figure out how he's doing it though, because he Fair really enough. he's got like one pitch. Yeah, I mean, he throws three pitches, you know, sinker, slider, changeup, but the changeup's not particularly good. Um, and he only uses it. Eight yeah, to 10% he uses it very sparingly, time. even yeah. against lefties. You know, even against lefties, it's like a seventeen percent pitch. Um, almost never throws it to righties. So, yeah, it's. I'm not a hundred percent sure I buy it. The sliders are really, really great pitch, though. So, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. that certainly helps. Um, That's what stands out most to me, Chris, is the fact that if you just look at the whiff rate, the slider has improved tremendously year over year, mm-hmm. and his control. I mean, last year he was, I think, three point seven walks per nine, and this year he's right around two. That's massive. You know, like a lot of the constituent parts make, you know, look pretty good. I just, I don't know how sustainable it is, but it's also at this point in the season, that doesn't really matter how sustainable it is. It's more like next season. I'm not sure I buy, Mm -hmm. you know, a Brady Singer as a top 50 starting pitcher or wherever he'll he'll likely end up if he finishes the season strong. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So we, uh, we already have a bus pick for next year. We've got Fernando Tatis's (laughs) value. Uh, Yeah. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for you, Chris, from the weekend. How about Vaughn Grissom, who we talked a little bit about when he got called up, but he hit two home runs in his first weekend. He's, um, I don't know, the, the the Braves are really good at developing young players. He's 21 years old. We're still not 100% sure what his like long-term rest of season outlook is as far as playing time, but it's like I said when he got called up, I think on Thursday's show, if he plays well, they're going to find a place for him. That's just kind of how these things work. If you're if you're a team that's hoping to make a playoff and you got a 21-year-old who, you know, comes out and hits two home runs in his first three or four games and, you know, by the time Ozzy Albies is up, if he's got like an 850 OPS, he's going to play. You know, it's it's a question of where and how much and and those are fair questions, but I don't think that would be a reason to not pick up Von Grissom at this point. He seems pretty athletic. You know, I don't know that it would be just a natural transition to just throw him in the outfield. They've got a couple of weeks here to kind of maybe work with him on that if they want to try it out. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's been really good so far. He hit his second home run in game two of that doubleheader on Saturday. He's got multiple hits in three of his first five games. This is Vaughn Grissom. He's 56% rostered. He's got seven home games this week. So uh, he's pretty widely available. And uh, I just looked at my leagues that ran fab already. 15-team Roto Leagues. He went for... This is out of a $1,000 budget. 49, 57, and 121. So obviously the 121 is an outlier, but I think if you want them and you're you know still bidding, you're probably looking at like 5 to 7% if you have that much left. So just kind of keep that in yep. mind with uh, Vaughn Grissom. A lot, lot, lot of steals in the minors, already won in the majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he reached base. He, this wasn't even one of the games he homered. He reached base four times on Sunday. And uh, yeah, I I agree they'll find a spot for him. It, they might have to send him down for a couple days just to get some exposure to the outfield. I could see it playing out that way. 
but they might not. They might just throw him in the outfield. He's he's already played some third base in the minors, so I guess they could possibly stick Austin Riley back in the outfield where he first broke in. But I doubt they do that at this stage of Riley's career. Just seem kind of weird to have two players playing out of position instead of just one. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, Austin Riley to like Austin Riley's defense. Yeah, for yeah. what it's worth, I don't necessarily know that they should, but. <laughs> They seem to like him more than the external or the public metrics mm-hmm. indicate they would. So, you know, I agree. It seems unlikely that they would move him out of that spot. I had this for a little bit later on, Chris, but while we're talking about Grissom, would you rather add him or Jorge Mateo if you just had to choose between the two? Mateo, another massive game on Friday night. He went five for five with two doubles, two runs, and two RBI. He's 63% rostered. You legitimately might have to choose between those two. And 21 games post All Star break for Mateo. He's batting 333 with four homers and five steals. He has been awesome. I think I'd have to go with Mateo just because stolen bases are so hard to come by, especially in a categories based leagues. Maybe in a points league, yeah. you could talk yourself into Grissom, but it's also it's it's always tough in those situations because it's less likely you're looking for help in a points league just because yeah. the rosters are so shallow. So I would yeah. say it's more likely you're you're adding Jorge Mateo. There is a clear strike. I mean, if Judging by Grissom's minor league numbers, which is mainly what I'm going on, there's big, uh, there's a chasm in how between how often these two players strike out. So I, I would say, I would agree Grissom in points and Mateo in five by five. All right, fair enough. From Vaughn Grissom to Trent Grisham. That will be my oh my goodness gracious player from the weekend. He went two for three with a sock and a shoe on Saturday, his 15th home run, his fifth steal of the season. And in 14 August games, Trent, Trent Grisham is hot right now. 275 batting average, five homers, one steal. He's hitting the ball very hard, 91.5 mile per hour, average exit velocity during that time, putting the ball in the air, 50% fly ball rate, and that has led to a 13.6% barrel rate for Trent Grisham in the month of August, and he's 42% rostered, pretty widely available. He's got seven games this week, only one lefty on the schedule, and it's Patrick Corbin, so, like, whatever. It's Patrick Corbin, so I'm not really scared about that for uh, for Trent Grisham. Like, maybe he doesn't play that game, but uh, so be it. He's hot, and he's got the games this upcoming week. Scott, would you, how do you rank these three um, names that stood out to me this weekend? Outfielders, Trent Grisham, uh, Fran Mil Reyes now playing with the Cubs. He went two for four, hit a home run on Saturday. And then A.J. Pollock, back-to-back games with multiple hits and a home run in each of those as well. Uh, all three are widely available. Yeah, I think Grisham's the most interesting of them. And I've, I've been kind of a Grisham downer since you know coming into the year. I had him on a preseason bust list, and that's mostly played out uh, as, as I thought it would him his inability to impact the ball hard with this new ball, but he is impacting the ball really hard right now. And, you know, he has a plate discipline advantage over those guys, a stolen base advantage over those guys, a lineup advantage over those guys. I think if, I think in all three cases, you're kind of dreaming about upside and most likely not going to get much. But I think if you're going to dream about upside, then then Grisham's probably the one to do it with. And it's worth noting, Grisham did start hitting the ball better in the month of July. You know, it's not necessarily just a, a recent thing. He only had a 211 uh, batting average in the month of July, but his expected batting average was 258, 251, excuse me. Uh, his expected Woba was 339, which was the highest of the season by far. So 
you know, not just necessarily a, a tiny sample size here for Trent Grish. All right, let's move back over to some waiver wire pitchers from the weekend and got a group of four names here. Michael Waka was amazing on Sunday Night Baseball against the Yankees in his return. He went seven shutout innings, two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts with 18 swinging strikes in that start. He's 63% rostered. He's at the Orioles this week. Braxton Garrett bounced back with a strong start against the Braves. He went six shutout, only two strikeouts to three walks, but a nice start here. He's 61% rostered at the Dodgers, so obviously don't like that matchup. Aaron Ashby gets back on track with a quality start at the Cardinals on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts there. 57% rostered and at the Cubs this week. And then Cutter Crawford turns in another quality start. He was up against the Yankees. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts in that one. And he's 27% rostered at the Orioles this week. Chris, how do you rank this group? Waka, Garrett, Ashby, and Crawford. I would say Garrett, Ashby, Waka, Crawford would be the order I would rank them in. And I think they're, you know, Garrett and Ashby are probably maybe a little under rostered, although I don't think it's too much. 61%, 57% at this point in the season, you know, roster rates aren't going to move too much. Um, so I, I think those, those all mostly make sense. Crawford is lower at 27%. I think it should be, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cutter Crawford was better than Michael Waka the rest of the season. You know, Michael Waka has that really nice 2-4-4 ERA and basically nothing else. Uh, about him looks particularly good. So I'm betting against him moving forward. And if you wanted to take Cutter Crawford over Michael Walker rest of the season just on the mystery box uh, idea, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Ga- the problem with Garrett and Ashby is if you know you need a play this week, you obviously don't want to use Garrett against the Dodgers. Ashby against yeah. the Cubs, like that's fine. I, I you know, it's an okay matchup, um, but. Scott, what do you think? Maybe if you just need a play this week, do you maybe kind of lean on the Red Sox starters instead because they're at the Orioles? Although, uh, I guess the I, Orioles are kind of good now. Like, yeah. well, so the Orioles are good, but Baltimore is a very good place to pitch now. True. Um, I, I saw, I want to say it was Alex Fast tweeted that the park factor for home runs at Camden Yards went from the best in baseball last season to the worst this season, which is... <laughs> incredible um so you know while it's not a bad matchup it's a pretty good place to to hit yeah that's fine i i can't i can't see myself starting braxton garrett like i i he deserves to be ranked the highest of this group you know the 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 competition's not that tough and he's he's uh, he's certainly recently had the most success uh, I can't see myself starting him against the die. Like I'm, I'm normally not somebody who's like going to uh, automatically sit a pitcher and you know maybe at Colorado. Uh, but Garrett, you know the end result in this start against the Braves was good, but the Braves strike out a lot for as good as their offense is. And Braxton Garrett had just the two strikeouts against them in six innings, and that was remember this was supposed to be kind of. Uh, very important week for Garrett because his success was two starts against the Pirates, two starts against the Reds. He gets the Phillies and Braves this week. Goes pretty poorly against the Phillies. He gets the quality start against the Braves, but did he pitch that well? Like, did 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 this did the reasons for our optimism against those bad clubs carry over against the Braves? And I would say it didn't. So I think the jury's still very much out 
on Braxton Garrett, and uh, I wouldn't be willing to risk it against the Dodgers. Agreed. Completely agree with that. Um, would you be willing to drop Corey Kluber for any of, I guess, the pitchers we've mentioned to this point? He has allowed four-plus runs in four of his last five starts. His ERA is up to 4.40, and he's still 85% rostered. So uh, I could see maybe dropping him for, for some of these names. What do you guys think? I'm surprised it took this long for his numbers to get that bad. Scott, drop Corey Kluber for any of the names we just mentioned or maybe even the ones earlier? I mean, I don't have... Yeah, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> is like his ERA is blown up to 440 and his XFIP is... No, it's not that great either. It's 382. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's better than all of them going forward. But like after giving up seven earned Do runs you really, against it's the, the Orioles, kind of thing like is the opportunity, is there any opportunity cost to dropping exactly. him? I don't really think so. I think no. it's unlikely you're going to miss him. Right. Mm-hmm. If, like, exactly. let's say he pitches to a 381 ERA with a strikeout printing the rest of the season. Like that's useful enough, but it's. It's probably not the reason you're going to lose a championship if it happens. Right. Some waiver wire pitchers in deeper leagues from the weekend. Domingo Herman had his first quality start of the season at the Red Sox. Six, six innings, one run, four strikeouts there. Daniel Lynch, scoreless start up against the Dodgers. Five shutout with three strikeouts. Austin Voth quietly has been pretty good with the Orioles this season. He's pitched 42 innings with them, 3.21 ERA and an 11.8% swinging strike rate. And then Tucker Davidson, who is now with the Angels, put together a quality start against the Twins on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, three strikeouts there. And he's at the Tigers this week. <laughs> we, we know that the Tigers are very bad. Scott, what do you think? Any, of the, any interest in these names in deeper leagues? Davidson, Voth, uh, Lynch, and Herman. Yeah, I mean, I struggle with uh, is bad pitcher worth picking up in deeper league because like it's just like I, if I if I if I'm not starting a good pitcher, I'll just start a reliever. Is generally how I look at it. And look, Domingo Herman's been a good enough pitcher in the past, so I'm I'm monitoring him. I haven't seen anything that wowed me yet. Daniel Lynch has, you know, that that slider of his looks like a good swing and miss pitch very vulnerable to home runs and just not, I, I don't think he's quite rounded into enough that I'm willing to trust him. Austin both has some interesting underlying numbers, but again, it's just, it's just not enough to win me over yet. All right. Anything with the Braves pitcher, Scott? I mean, they pitched well against the Marlins. It's, it's kind of like you take it with a grain of salt. The Marlins lineup is so bad. Chris, I think you said since the start of July, before we, started the podcast, you said they're averaging 2.6 runs per game, so obviously their offense is putrid, but do you put any <laughs> stock in you know what these call-ups did this weekend, Scott? It's Ian Anderson, Kyle Muller, Bryce Elder. They all pitched well, but they also all got optioned back to the minors. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Even the Braves know that, uh, yeah, that it was the Like, I, I kind of think, because they, they, they skipped Kyle Wright's turn. He was dealing with arm fatigue. It doesn't sound serious. It just sounds like a skip turn. But like, you know, obviously they're trying to keep pace with the Mets. And I think they realize that against the Marlins, they could just run <laughs> three uh, minor league caliber. Yeah, I'll call Ian Anderson a minor league caliber arm right now out there and, and probably win. And that's exactly what happened. So this stat from um, Mike Petrillo. Is that how you say his name? I think it's Petriello. Petriello. Thank you. Miami has now scored three runs or fewer in 15 straight, which is the longest streak since the 1979 Cubs. 
That's how bad they've been. Yikes. Um, so I will mention Bryce Elder had the most impressive start of the three, struck out 10 in seven innings, three hits allowed. That was on Sunday. And we saw him up earlier in the year. Not really a pitcher who you think of being a big strikeout guy. Doesn't throw especially hard. Averages 91. Only got um, nine swing strikes. Yeah. And the AAA, like he had a couple AAA starts this good, but the overall, like the ERA was over four overall. So I'm not, like even though, even though he was the best of the three, his he had, uh, like for from a dynasty standpoint, like he had the most ground to make up already. So I don't, I don't think it really moves the needle for any of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another player that stands out to you guys, but more strikeouts than swinging strikes in a start. I just kind of associate that with Adam Wainwright at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anybody else who does it more? Like I feel like it happens so often with him. Maybe Martin probably Perez. Probably have as low as Zach Gallon. Yeah. Martin Perez, I know he gets a lot of strikeouts looking, so he might be another one there. But uh, yeah, anytime you see more strikeouts than swinging strikes, it's a little bit skeptical, obviously. We did have some prospect happenings from the weekend that I wanted to quickly mention. The Orioles called up pitching prospect D.L. Hall, who made his debut on Saturday against the Rays. It did not go very well. Three and two-thirds, five hits, five runs. He did have six strikeouts uh, through 47 of his 76 pitches for strikes. And I was watching this start. Everything kind of snowballed in the third inning on him where he struggled with his command, which is obviously a huge problem for him still. Uh, And then he kind of became more hittable as a result of that, trying to get back into the strike zone. Uh, But that is D.L. Hall. And oddly enough, option back to the minors right after the start. And he's going to pitch out of their bullpen in the minors. And he's going to return later this year to kind of, I guess, help the Orioles make their their wild card push. So he will be back, but it sounds like as a reliever. Um, Chris, I guess that means that we don't need to add D.L. Hall in redraft leagues. Like, how are you handling no. this? No, I mean, look, he had a, a 452 ERA in the minors this season. There's clearly talent there, but... Yeah, 1.416 whip this season, 5.2 walks per nine. It's like a 13 or 14% walk rate. Tons of strikeouts, 37% strikeout rate. But yeah, I think he's clearly got a lot of work left to do to be a a viable major league pitcher. And you know, maybe he can come up in the bullpen and do some nice things. They've got a good bullpen already, so that would help. But yeah, I, I don't think there's much reason to uh, to be in on him in redraft leagues at the very least. I think they're going to be cautious with D.L. Hall's innings as well because last year he threw just 31 and two-thirds. He's already up to 81 and one-third this season if you combine the majors and the minors. So uh, I think that's kind of the answer answer for the move to the bullpen as well. Scott, C.J. Abrams is getting recalled, well, I guess just called up, by the Nationals. Uh, since, first time since being traded there in the Juan Soto trade. Luis Garcia was placed in the IL, so they're obviously looking for some help in the middle infield. And so far, eight games in the minors with the Nationals. He was hitting 290 with four steals. No pop, you know, no homers during that time. But 33% rostered, seven games this week. Are you looking to maybe re-add C.J. Abrams in those deeper category leagues? Yeah, in a deep enough one, sure. He's probably going to get... uh... The playing time is probably going to be less interrupted with the Nationals than it was with the Padres. They didn't, it, between either of his stints in the majors before, they didn't run Abrams out there every day. And that the Nationals may have no choice but to do that. I'm skeptical he's going to make an impact this year, given that 
you know, we've, we have seen him get those two previous stints in the majors and did next to nothing. Uh, but if it's a deep enough categories league and guys like Jorge Mateo and Yvonne Grissom are already gone, then you could look to add Abrams, I guess. All right. A couple other prospect happenings from the weekend. Guardians pitching prospect Peyton Battenfield was promoted to be an extra arm out of the bullpen. James Karinchak was on the restricted list, but I don't really think there's anything there with him. And then he's not a prospect, but he was pretty good in the minors. Uh, Rockies 31-year-old outfielder Winton Bernard was hitting 325 with 17 homers and 26 steals at AAA, and he was called... You know what's going to happen. What happened? He's going to hit like 320 over 80 plate appearances over the next like seven weeks. And he's going to be a sleeper for fantasy next year. And we're going to be furious when he plays two out of every seven games in April <laughs> next season. He's going to be our uh, Connor Joe for next season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, 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 the number of players that that could apply to for the Rockies over the last like four or five years is, is immeasurable. Sam Hilliard's another one. I, there's, a, there's another name I'm blanking on. But yeah, this is... Garrett Hampson, I feel like some people still think Garrett yeah. is going to be something, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, anyway, just a name to watch, I guess. Winton Bernard, he does have a little bit of pop and speed. And if he's playing for the Rockies, you know, maybe some good things could happen there. Before we hit the break, just want to let everyone know that Fantasy Baseball Today is a finalist in the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Thanks to everybody who nominated us. So we really do appreciate that. The job, however, is not done yet. If you voted for FBT previously, then check your email inbox because they randomly selected some of those who previously voted to now vote in the finals. So voting runs through September 13th. Please go check. And uh, if you were selected, then help us out and vote for FBT. Also, the Fantasy Football Today Draftathon is approaching. And if you listen to... FFT with Adam. Obviously, those guys do a fantastic job. And this is a really, really cool experience. And it's a really great day. This draftathon, it's filled with fun and analysis. But the main cause is that they're raising money uh, for St. Jude's Children Hospital. And I'm happy to announce that we are auctioning off a spot in one of our podcast listener leagues for next season. So if you want to play against us, Scott, Chris, and myself, you want a spot in one of these leagues. There is a link that I will include in the podcast and YouTube description. It's an eBay link. And again, all of the proceeds for this will go to St. Jude's Children's Hospital as part of the FFT Draftathon. So really cool experience there. Uh, if you want to get in, again, the link will be in the podcast and the YouTube description. Let's take a break and we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes, and there's a lot from the weekend. Bryce Harper will take batting practice on the field Monday, the first time since injuring his thumb. Progress. Good. Ronald Acuna. This, not so good. He left in the second game of Saturday's doubleheader with right knee soreness, and he was not in the lineup on Sunday. And it sounds like Acuna will not go on the IL, but pretty concerning. It's obviously the same knee that he had surgery on. You know, Scott, do you, do you have, have you seen more on this? Are you willing to still start him this week? What do you think about Acuna? I'm, st I'm still willing to start him this week. Yeah, there was some question as to whether he'd play Sunday. And I think they decided to play it safe and had him sit another game. But I, I think he'll, 
I haven't seen officially, but I think he'll be back in the lineup uh, Monday or Tuesday. Mike Trout participated in a full round of batting practice on Sunday, but remains without a clear timetable. He has said that he wants to return later on this season, so we'll see. George Springer is on track to rejoin the Blue Jays at some point this week. He's been on the IL with elbow inflammation. And Chris, one of your guys, are you rolling with George Springer this week? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to return early in the week, then I think that's okay, yeah. Another one of you guys, Giancarlo Stanton, is targeting a full pregame routine on Monday and will hopefully begin a rehab assignment sometime this week. He's been out since July with Achilles tendonitis. Um, so doesn't sound like he will be back yet, but we're getting closer with Stanton. Wander Franco is nearing a rehab assignment with the Rays Florida Complex League team. He's been out since early July with a fractured hamate bone, and the timetable for that was five to eight weeks. So mm, we're kind of right in that time period right now. So I think we uh, could see Wander Franco within the next week or two. Luis Severino will throw a bullpen session on Monday. He's been out since mid-July with a strained right lat and is not eligible to return until mid-September. Clayton Kershaw's back is feeling much better thanks to his epidural injection, and he currently remains without a timetable as well. Speaking of the Dodgers, Dustin May finally will make his season debut next Saturday against the Marlins. I saw someone tweeted us just before Scott saying, uh, what's our prediction for strikeouts for, for Dustin May against the Marlins? And said something crazy, yeah. like 13 strikeouts over six innings pitch. It's, I guess it's yeah, really I mean, not I'll, that I'll, crazy. I'm going to say seven and five. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I'll give him a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll say nine and five. I'll go almost as aggressive as that guy. Very nice. I All mean, right. that's, that's what he was doing against AAA hitters. And I don't know that the Marlins lineup is that different. Right now. You're not wrong. Andrew Heaney left his start on Saturday with a bruised arm, but he expects to make his next start, which will be at the Brewers. Ramon Laureano was removed Sunday with side soreness. Bailey Ober threw a 25-pitch bullpen session on Friday and is expected to throw another one on Tuesday. He's been out since early June with a groin injury. Uh, Chris, are you looking to stash Bailey Ober maybe in some deeper leagues right now? He's 21% rostered. If you've got the IL spot, I, I don't think he's particularly good so it's not it's not a priority for me fair enough michael brantley underwent an arthroscopic labral repair on his right shoulder and will miss the remainder of the season brian anderson and john birdie were both reinstated for the marlins on friday uh, birdie is 55 percent rostered and we know that he can run wild so if you need steals he is out there okay brian hayes has missed three straight with back spasms and juan yapez could be reinstated from the il on tuesday and Scott, if that happens, who do you think might lose playing time for the Cardinals? Well, it could be one of my sleeper hitters for this week, Lars Newtbar, even though he's been playing well of late. Uh, I would guess Yepes wouldn't just have an everyday role right away. I mean, they, they have had a revolving door at DH, so maybe they could plug Yepes in there primarily. But I'm, I'm not counting on Yepes being an everyday player necessarily when he gets back. All right, these names went to the IL this weekend. The Nationals, Luis Garcia with knee and groin issues, Alex Colome with tennis elbow, Jonathan Dazza. Why is he playing tennis during baseball season? I don't know. That's, mm. that's a really fair question. It's like riding a motorcycle. Come on. Speaking of which, I am scheduled to face off against Ariel Cohen in tennis later this week. So I'll let oh. everyone know how that goes. Uh, last time, it didn't go well. Ariel beat me. So <laughs> uh, I'll keep you up to date. Do you uh, play much tennis? I dabble, Scott. I played back in high school, okay. and then I kind of I didn't pick it up for I don't know 
six, seven years after that. And I, I've started playing again the past couple of years. But you played in like an official capacity in high school? Oh, yeah. So you know what you're doing. I was, so it was kind of a weird situation. I did not play tennis at all before high school. And so when I played in high school, it was solely based on athleticism, which let's be honest, you know, uh, 15 years later, I don't really have as much athleticism as I did back in high school. <laughs> oh, so it's but you're pretty athletic back in the day, huh? I tried, man. Yeah, I played a bunch of different stuff. Basketball, baseball, okay. uh, flag football. I've, I've never actually been in the same room with you, so I haven't gotten... <laughs> I don't I don't even have a picture of the whole physique of Frank. I just see... Uh, I we just gotta know get you Scott up here so he can see the full up. physique. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're really not missing out on much, Scott. It's <laughs> five nine, one seventy five. Just go like, find the the video I tweeted of him dancing at his wedding. Yeah, I mean that's probably uh, okay. the coolest thing I've ever done. So we'll just leave it there. <laughs> we'll make it happen soon. Don't worry. I think uh, I'll wind up in Florida eventually, and you know we'll hang okay. out, Scotty. Um, a couple of their names went to the IL Pirates reliever Yeri De Los Santos, sixty day IL for him with a right last strain. Tarek Skubal was transferred to the sixty day IL as well on Friday. He will miss the remainder of the season. Starters sit these players who are currently banged up. Kyle Schwarber has not started three straight with that calf injury, though he did pinch hit on Saturday. What do you guys think about Schwarbs? Yeah, that's going to be a tough call. I mean, when you pinch hit, it, it, you know, obviously that 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 would suggest they're not planning on putting you in the IL because that ruins the back date. Uh, so I would, I guess I'd lean yes on Schwarber, but it's it's going to be in uh, like three outfielder head-to-head leagues. You know, weigh your options, I guess. Luis Robert has missed two straight with a sprained left wrist and is not expected to go on the IL. And it's been a frustrating season for Robert. Mm-hmm. You know, production, not necessarily where I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to be amazing. And then on top of that, he's just been constantly banged up. So uh, Chris, what do you think about playing him this week? I would prefer to, but you know, I, like I'm, I'm facing a tough decision with Ronald Acuna. I feel like that's a similar one where I'm just not a hundred percent sure. And I've got like Alec Thomas, so he's iffy enough that I might just go with Acuna. And I think Robert's probably in the same spot. Speaking of Alec Thomas, man, I completely whiffed on this one. Apologies. I thought it was going to be the breakout week for Alec Thomas. It did not happen. I think he had six fantasy points this week. So. Not that great. Not great. Not great. Jonathan India has missed two straight, but it is not expected to require an IL stint. Uh, Scott, what do you think about Jonathan India? I mean, he hasn't really done enough to deserve starting to start, even if he was completely healthy. So I I played safe with him. DJ LeMahieu uh, did not play on Sunday because of a foot and toe injury, and he will have imaging done on Monday. Uh, this one sounds kind of scary, Chris. I don't... What do you think about DJ LeMay? Yeah, anytime they're getting the MRI taken before the games on Monday, I would tend to say no and hope that you have some more information mm-hmm. before you have to hit submit. So Kyle Wright, Scott, I saw he's dealing with that right arm fatigue, which you mentioned, and he apparently will not start in this first series against the Mets either. So the first half of the week, we just don't necessarily know when he's going to pitch again. So what do you think about, do you take Kyle Wright out of your lineups? Uh, I, I would prefer to, yeah. I mean, he's a top 30 pitcher, so I, I would imagine not everybody has that luxury. I expect he will start at some point this week. I think it's more likely than not, but you'd rather not take a zero from a starting pitcher if you can help it. 
Yep, for sure. All right, let's get into some other waiver wire hitters, some deep league names here from the weekend. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa went three for four with his first homer of the season on Saturday. It's, you know, I mean, outside of no power, he's kind of just been Kiner-Falefa. He's batting 269. He's got 15 steals, 35% mm-hmm. rostered with seven home games this week. David Fletcher had five hits this weekend. He has let off six straight for the Angels. And Rodolfo Castro... Went two for four with a home run on Friday. He plays for the Pirates, by the way. He has three straight multi-hit games, and he's only 1% rostered. So very deep league names. Scott, <laughs> any interest? Uh, oh, IKF, Fletcher, or Rodolfo Castro? I mean, I, I guess Kiner Falef is still the guy. I mean, he steals some bases. He's in a good lineup. It Like, Yankees fans really dislike Isaiah Kiner Falefa, right? Like, I've gotten that impression on Twitter in recent weeks that he is John Carlos Stan or uh, Aaron judge apparently blocked most of the John boy media team because of the, the Isaiah Kiner Falefa uh, stuff this weekend. Mm. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Well, I, I like he's become the source of Yankees fans. ire now that Joey Gallo is gone. And like, <laughs> I get why Yankees fans were frustrated with Gallo. He goes from being this all-star caliber player to, you know, unstartable, but like Isaiah kind of Falefa has just been Isaiah kind of Falefa. Like if he's, if his performance has disappointed you, you had too high expectations to begin with. Starting middle infielder all season long on my first place Roto league. <laughs> I've <laughs> actually, deals, baby. I, I've started him all season long in, in one of my 15 teamers as well. And it's, you know, batting average and steals. It, yeah, it helps. I mean, look, you're not getting anything else, but 15 steals and a 270 average, like, there are worse things you can get for your fantasy team. You know, it is odd that I didn't realize that fans were coming after IKF. I mean, he has been a letdown defensively. I guess if there's yeah. one thing you want to point out, like he was regarded well, as this great defender coming in. He, the has a, he has a positive defensive war. Which the is team's been bad. This the team's been bad for like a month, and they he have had, to blame someone. Like, he that's has all only he has. eleven errors, which three quarters of the way into the season is pretty good for a shortstop. I, I don't, what, how has he been bad defensively? He is, according to StatCast, he is 14th percentile in outs above average. Well, then why does he have such a high defensive war? I have no idea, but I mean, okay. I, I have seen a lot of bad throws from him this season. So, I mean, that's just okay. my experience watching him. And I think, errors. Just leave in, him alone. In general, people probably just want to see Peraza or Volpe and, yeah, well. Those guys are not ready yet, so it is what it is. Yeah. A couple of deep league... Mm, mm, I was about to say middle infielders. These are corner infielders. Emmanuel Rivera had a double dong on Saturday for the Diamondbacks. He uh, had he has six hits and three home runs over his last three games. And Joey Manessis, uh, he plays for the Washington Nationals. He has five straight multi-hit games and four homers in his last six outings. So he's playing well. And this season in the minors, he was hitting 286, 20 homers, and 830 OPS. Chris, 15 teamers, any interest in these two? Emmanuel Rivera, Joey Manessis. Uh, it would have to be a super deep deep league, especially for Manessis. Like I know his minor league numbers were decent this year, but that's as a 30-year-old in AAA, so I, I don't think there's much there. No, I, I don't have much I, interest in either. I don't think there is either, but like when you homer five times in your first 10 games in a 15-team league, like... He probably belongs on somebody's roster, right? I think he got picked up in all my 15-team leagues when waivers ran tonight. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't pick him up myself because I couldn't start another first baseman. But uh, I don't know. He could, maybe he'll have like a 
odds are against it. I get it, but maybe he'll have like one like Luke Voigt wasn't <sighs> supposed to be anything, and then he comes up hitting a bunch of home runs for the Yankees and becomes a thing. You know, like the Nationals don't have many hitters, so he's gonna keep getting chances as long as he hits. You know where I thought you were going? I, with I think this Rivera guy? is a little more interesting, actually. Okay. Uh, I thought you were going the Frank Schwindel route with Joey Manessis. Yeah, that's that. That was the thought I had too. <laughs> Five straight multi-hit games. There, dare I say, Joey two hits. Joey two hits. I'm yeah. just gonna speak I, that into the world. Okay, I think powers like Frank Schwindel is primarily batting average. Sure. In theory, obviously, he hasn't hit for average this year. Manessis, I think, primarily like part of the reason he's 30 and just getting a call now is because he played a lot of overseas. Anyway, yeah, he's probably nothing, but right. he's 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 more interesting than like the last seven hitters you mentioned, probably. <laughs> well, my guess is that you probably won't care much about these two names either. Deep league outfielders, Greg Allen went two for four with his first home run on Friday. He has three seals over his last five games and is very fast. And Jake Fraley with the Reds has five hits in his last two games, and he has let off both of those for Cincinnati, and he's 3% rostered. Do you guys care about either of these names? In deep leagues, Greg Allen, Jake Fra- Fraley. We liked Fraley coming in, yeah, uh, getting a shot at the smaller venue after putting up some pretty good underlying numbers in Seattle. And yeah, he's hit well since coming off the IL. Uh, but I don't think he's started against a lefty yet since coming off the IL, and so that's going to be an issue. And it's more of a it's more of a scout team situation for me than I'm picking him up. All right, let's get back over to the pitching side of things. And Lance McCullers made his season debut against the Oakland A's on Saturday. He went six shutout with five strikeouts in that game. And I did notice the sinker and curve velocity down one mile per hour each in this start, which, you know, for his first start, that's not terrible. He likely can build up. The only difference I saw in the pitch mix was that uh, he was throwing his changeup a little bit more compared to years past. And he's 84% rostered, probably not out there in many leagues anymore. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this season debut from McCullers? And would you start him at the Braves this week? Probably not. I don't think there was all that much impressive about it. The velocity was down seven swinging strikes on 81 pitches. I know that's not everything, but he was always a pretty good, not great pitcher at his best. And I just, I, I don't know if he's at his best yet. Oakland's a nice soft landing spot. Atlanta's a much tougher matchup, so I, I would prefer to go away from him. I still have a lot. I'm very skeptical still. Starter sit these pitchers. Cal Quantrill, back-to-back scoreless outings. He was at the Blue Jays this weekend. Seven shutout, only one hit allowed, seven strikeouts, and his velocity, his sinker velo up 1.2 miles per hour compared to season's average, and he's only 56% started this week, but he's going up against the Tigers, so I think we got to get him in there, Scotty. Yeah, I don't think Cal Quantrill's ever a must-start, but if there's a time to use him, it's against what, at least for the season, still rates as the worst lineup in baseball. Marlins are going worse right now. Mm -hmm. But the Tigers are still bad. Jose Barrios, two rough outings in a row. He was up against the Guardians. Four innings, eight runs allowed in this one. Two more homers allowed. He has now given up 26 home runs in 23 starts, which ties a career high, and he still has... I don't know, at least eight starts left to go in the season. So it's it's been a very bad season for Barrios, and he's at the Yankees this week. Chris, would you start or sit there? I'd probably keep starting him, but it's mostly because I just don't I don't have a good explanation for why he ha- wh- how why he's good when he's good and why he's bad when he's bad. So I just <laughs> stick with my baseline assumption, which is that he's pretty good. Well, uh, 
ERA is what for the season now? Like I was, I was oh, back he's on been board. Bad. Yeah. I was back on board when he had that three RA, three, even three ERA in July. Uh, but then, you know, two terrible starts to begin August. And it's just like, I, I'm kind of the other way. Like if I don't have an explanation for why I can still, you know, I can ignore these last two starts and based on the way his, the full season is gone. I don't have a good reason to ignore the last two starts. I'm like, he's an automatic sit for me, especially against the Yankees. Jose Barrios, the season long ERA here on August 15th is 5.61. And his expected ERA, according to StatCast, is 5.59. No, that's the thing is that the expected numbers have been dreadful all season. And yeah. So when, when I mean that, like, I don't have a good explanation, it's, it's mostly just that if you look at, if you compare his season over season metrics, obviously the surface level, like the strikeout rate is down. He's getting hit a lot harder, but like the pitch stuff doesn't look all that much different. That's, that's what I mean is that like, it right. doesn't No, I, I, get I you, haven't, but it's like, it's mid August. If it was mid May, sure. no, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. The last two names here on this list. We'll just quickly run through Nathan Avaldi. He's at the pirates this week. He's, you know, the velocity is still down for him. And then Lance Lynn turned in a quality start against the Tigers. The problem this week, he's at the Guardians, and they're a pretty pesky lineup. Scott, what do you think about those two? Avaldi at the Pirates, Lynn at the Guardians. I'm not willing to trust an Avaldi until I see the velocity get back to where we're mm-hmm. used to saying it's, it remains down about two miles per hour, even though he's managed to find a little success recently with it. Uh, I, I don't trust him to sustain that. I think Lance Lens fine, to be honest. I, I know his like three of his last five starts have been great. They were all against bad lineups, but so were the two bad starts. So we don't we can't even really we don't have like a control there to measure it against. I just think now like he got his fastball velocity up to ninety three point six, I think is what he averaged in this start. And last year he averaged ninety four on his fastball. So that's that's pretty much built up to where it was after being down early. He's getting enough swinging strikes. Like I, he's been a little rusty, but I think he's I think he's coming around. I oh, think he's okay. Righty, we That's had Lance a, Lynn. We had By a, the way, go ahead. Wh- while we're on the subject of regaining velocity, did you happen to notice that on Sunday Shane Bieber? Oh yeah, averaged on his fastball ninety three point one which is basically where it was early last season when he was getting like double-digit strikeouts every start. That's two miles an hour up from where he's been this season. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. I don't know where it came from. It wasn't an especially good start. It was, it was fine. It was normal Shane Bieber start, but like that was encouraging to see. Yeah. Uh, his velocity was actually up on all of his pitches. Two miles per hour on the fastball, 1.5 on the slider, and one mile per hour on the cutter, so... It, this is really the first start where we've seen this, but it's it's something to watch to see if that velocity remains up for Shane Bieber. A couple of pitchers duels this weekend. Aaron Nola at Jacob deGrom. This was awesome on Saturday. Nola, eight innings, one run, eight strikeouts. Tough luck loss for him. Jacob deGrom, I mean, <laughs> what do you say? Six he's shutout innings. He's got a 50% strikeout rate. Six shutout. He's got a, I think, 48.3% K minus walk rate so far. He has a 24.6% swinging strike rate and a 50% chase rate. League average for both of those numbers is 11% and 32%. That's insane. He's just the best. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, of course, if you have him, just like 
run him out there. I, I'm going to stick to my default. I, I would still try and sell him if I could in a redraft league, but I also get why you wouldn't want to do that. So uh, the only caution, I guess, is 76 pitches and back-to-back starts, but it doesn't even matter. He's he's still awesome, even in only 76 pitches. So whatever. I guess the best way to put it is try to sell him, but for so much that you're probably not going to end up selling him. Yeah. And yeah. that's fine because he's Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Would you take Aaron Nola for him? No. I would. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I definitely have Nola. <laughs> I have Nola ranked I think he's impossible. Like, it's impossible. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. That's yeah. Not an, that doesn't blow me away enough to trade DeGrom away, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, another pitcher's duel we had, Corbin Burns at Adam Wainwright. Burns went seven innings, one run, six strikeouts, and then Wainwright technically... Complete game, asterisk, because the game went into extra innings, but he goes nine innings, one run, eight strikeouts in that start. Uh, Scott, anything on either of Burns or Wainwright? Not really. All right. They're they're Burns and Wainwright. Sure. Uh, Wainwright, by the way, ERA is down to 3.27, so just doing Adam Wainwright things. Any concern over Shane McClanahan? Shane O'Mac. He turned in a quality quality start against the Orioles, but now has four strikeouts or less in three straight. He goes six innings, seven hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts. So, you know, the whip is obviously high in this one. He did have 20 swinging strikes, so maybe he deserved more strikeouts than he wound up with in this one. His velocity down a little bit once again. And during the, those three starts, he's got a 5.94 ERA, 1.56 whip. Chris, what are your concerns? I mean, everything. <laughs> you know, we, we had some concerns about how he would handle pitching deep into into the season. Now, obviously those concerns were more about whether the Rays would limit him, but I don't know. It's hard not to feel like he's hitting a bit of a wall. Now, the the one thing is that, you know, his velocity has been a little up and down over the past couple of starts. I think the one before this start, it was actually up, um, but it had been down the two previous starts. So yeah, but he, he clearly hasn't had the, the same sharpness or effectiveness. And and what you've seen here is that early on in the season, he was pitching six innings consistently because he was so efficient. Now in this one, he pitched six innings because they let him throw a hundred pitches. I'm not sure they're going to keep letting him throw a hundred pitches. And so I, I think there are real concerns about how deep he's going to go into games if he's not going to be as effective. So I still think like, I'm not saying you panic about Shane McClanahan, but Given the concerns we had about how he would handle the late season and the the innings jump, I I think it's more than reasonable to be concerned. The problem is, what do you do, right? So you continue to start him, I think, and you could try to shop him if your trade deadline hasn't passed. But like, if I trade Shane McClanahan, I want a a top ten hitter in return or a top ten pitcher. The other player in your league knows why you're concerned. Exactly. Presumably. Yeah. So that's always going to be the question. Yeah, that's always going to be the, the struggle in these situations. Yeah. So it's pretty tough to really do anything actionable yeah. with Shane McClanahan. So like I'd, I I would not be willing to trade him for even 90 cents on the dollar. Like I, I think, which means you're probably Nola. not trading him. It's kind of the same way. Well, Aaron Nola would be 90 cents on the dollar, right? Would you, would you trade uh, McClanahan for Aaron Nola? Are you dropping? I, I are you dropping McClanahan behind Nola in your rest of season ranking? I think I would do Nola for McClanahan. Yeah, I could see it. I would do it in a I'm points not, league. I'm not. I'm I think not in that a points scared. league. Yeah. Scared money don't make money. Yeah, Wait. you already made money though. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money.
All right, we're kind of up against it here, so I'm just really going to pick out the, I don't know, biggest things remaining from the weekend. Michael Kopech, six no-hit innings pitched with 11 strikeouts against the Tigers this weekend with 22 swinging strikes. That was massive. Uh, Logan Webb had a huge game as well against the Pirates. He went eight shutout with nine strikeouts. Blake Snell, just awesome start against the Nationals, his third double-digit strikeout start of the season. No walks. Yeah, I mean, that's been huge for him. His last five starts, he only has five walks during that span. And a 0.96 ERA, well over a strikeout per inning during that time, 13% swinging strike rate. Uh, Scott, anything you'd like to add on Snell, Logan Webb, Michael Kopech? Really big weekend for all three. Yeah, Snell keeps making me look like an idiot. So that's fun. I mean, if he's throwing strikes, the stuff is still amazing. I don't really have, uh, I don't really know why things have changed for him. But uh, I guess I guess I'm back on board with that. And uh, Michael Kopech, this was by far his most like the best he's looked this year. Eleven strikeouts, season high. Uh, the twenty-two swinging strikes were a season high by like nine, I think. Again, hard to understand why he wasn't throwing that much harder. The velocity's been down since moving from the bullpen. But it, it, it didn't improve enough to make me think that's the reason why. I think it was more just he was facing the Tigers. But I would doubt it's the first time he's faced the Tigers this year. And then it didn't go like this before. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Michael Kopech. Still down on him overall. But this was nice to see. I noticed over his last, I believe it's four starts, he has a 14.3% swinging strike rate. Obviously helped out pretty massively by this one. But right. a couple of other... Those other starts have, have been pretty good uh, in terms of whiffs as well. Uh, some hitting standouts, uh, I guess just the biggest stuff. Aaron Judge, sock in a shoe on Fridays, up to 46 homers, 12 steals, 100 RBI for the season. Max Muncy, another huge game on Saturday. He went four for five with his 14th home run. And in August, he's hitting 400 with five homers and a near 98 mile per hour average exit velocity. So... Something is going right for Max Muncy right now. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Maybe he's finally healthy, but he looks really good so far in August. Mm -hmm. And then, got to mention, I mean, Albert Pujols, awesome moment Sunday. Double dong for him. uh, Brings him up to 689 career home runs. Uh, Bullpen, biggest stuff this weekend. I mean, the Yankees is is big right now. I mean, Clay Holmes entered the ninth inning on Friday with a one-run lead. He gave up a hit, two walks, took his fourth blown save in his last 12 appearances. And apparently the Yankees are considering removing him from the closers role. So Scott F. Ross picked up the save on Saturday. And, you know, listening to the broadcast on Sunday night, it sounds like they, they still kind of want to build Chapman up. They don't want to just throw him back in that role. So I think yeah, I think they're going to mix and match for now. He did work the eighth ahead of F. Ross. So I, I actually did pick up F. Ross in one of those deep roto leagues where you can never find saves on waivers. Uh, but I suspect, like, Chapman's 70% rostered in CBS Sports League, so I'm going to write about him in the waiver wire column. I, I suspect he'll be back in the role soon enough. He's looked he's looked much better of late. All right. For the Rangers on Saturday, Jonathan Hernandez picked up his third save. For the Diamondbacks on Sunday, Ian Kennedy picked up his eighth save. Uh, for the Nationals, I noticed that uh, Carl Edwards picked up another save on Saturday with Kyle Finnegan pitching in the seventh inning. So... Uh, Edwards is someone who I added in a few deeper category leagues this weekend as well. Uh, for the Red Sox, I noticed John Schreiber pitched two innings on Saturday, and he took his uh, second loss. He gave up one run in that one. Garrett Whitlock actually picked up the save on Sunday, so 
Again, those two are kind of alternating. And then Alexis Diaz on Sunday, he uh, kind of came in to save Hunter Strickland, who looked terrible once again in the eighth inning. Uh, Diaz recorded the final five outs for his fifth save of the season. Chris, if you need saves, how do you rank this group? It's a pretty big one. Alexis Diaz, Jonathan Hernandez, Ian Kennedy, Carl Edwards, and the Red Sox guys. So that would be Schreiber and Garrett Whitlock. Huh. Um, I would think Hernandez, Diaz, Kennedy, Edwards, and then the Red Sox guys. I think it makes sense. I, I mean, I think the Red Sox relievers are both really good, but they're... Yeah, that's the problem. Is like I, I have Whitlock and Schreiber in, in multiple leagues, but not necessarily for saves. Yeah. So it's more like 15-team leagues where I'm looking for ratios help rather than save. So if that's what you're looking for, I think they, those two might be the best two pitchers here. But um, you know, if you're specifically looking for saves, they, they're probably have to rank last. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream. We'll start with Monday. Aaron Savali versus the Tigers. You say Kikuchi versus the Orioles. No. Chris Bubich at the Twins. <laughs> James Caprillion at the Rangers. Glenn Otto versus the A's. And Madison Bumgarner at the Giants. Ooh, revenge game. I kind of feel like the abrupt no applies for all of these. <laughs> if if I'm yeah. forced to pick one, I'm picking Savale against the Tigers. All right. On Tuesday, we have a ton of names. Kyle Gibson at the Reds. Edward Cabrera versus the Padres. Mitch Keller versus the Red Sox. Nick Pavetta at the Pirates. Justin Steele at the Nationals. Jeffrey Springs at the Yankees. Zach Plesak versus the Tigers. Zach Greinke at the Twins. Jose Catana versus the Rockies. J.P. Sears at the Rangers, and Jose Suarez versus the Mariners. Mm, Gibson? I, I like Cabrera. I just hate the matchup. Um, Steel of Washington, I'm fine with. Yeah. Pli- Keller, I'm starting in a couple of leagues, but that's more because he's a two-start against with Cincinnati later on in the week. Actually, there are a few I'm fine with here. I think Quintana I, I think, might be my favorite, actually. Right, yeah, I was about to say that. Jose Quintana... At home against the Rockies is yeah. probably number one. And yeah. then I'd probably go steal to police sack against the Tigers three, mm-hmm. Gibson four. Yeah. And Edward Cabrera, I mean, just make sure you add him because I think he's going to be just really good. Him, yeah. It's just don't really like the matchup against the Padres, obviously. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. 